This is Napkin Scribbles, a podcast by Arthur and Professor Leonard Sweet. Today's Napkin Scribble is sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. Now here's Leonard Sweet. Welcome to the last of Napkin Scribbles for the spring of 2022. And we saved... I'm not going to say the best to last, but we saved the worst to last. And this is evil. Some days it is easier to understand atheists who don't believe in God than it is to understand Christians who don't believe in evil or the power of evil. Why? evil. Why do we live in a world of evil? One of my favorite poets was also a Welsh priest, R.S. Thomas. He liked to put it like this. And where do all the viruses come from? (laughs) Oh, as we're dealing in this Covidian era with all sorts of viruses, these are evils. And why evil? The early church father, all all the early church fathers tried to make sense of this. This is called, in theological terms, theodicy. How do we make sense of, of evil? And everybody has their own way of doing it. Here was Origen in the... He lived from the second to the third, to the middle of the third century, very early on. And, and you basically make sense of it through metaphors. This is his metaphor. God, then, I'm quoting him, has not made evil if one understands the word to, word to be used here in a strict sense. But evils, which are few in comparison with the orderly arrangement of the universe, have been the consequence of the works which were his primary intention, just as spiral shavings and sawdust are a consequence of the primary works of a carpenter. And his builders may seem to cause the mess that lies beside buildings, such as the dirt that falls off the stones and the plasters. Now, I don't know about you, but that just doesn't work for me. I mean, uh, there's got to be more substance to this question of why evil. And why, I mean, evil backwards is alive. And to be alive, to live, is to have to deal with evil. And it's built into the very structure of, it seems, the universe. The second law of thermodynamics teaches us that there's a preferred direction of change built into the universe. And it's not things are getting better. Things are running down. And this is why the status quo is so evil. Because if you leave things in the status quo mode, things will run down. They will go down. They will fall down. There is evil, it seems to me, that is a part of what it means to live. E-V-I-L-L-I-V-E. And evil builds on the brokenness of the world and cracks it even open and more broken, more and more, and more alienation and more polarization and more fragmentation. And evil turns people against themselves and people against creation. So it's hard for me to, to have a Pollyannish view of 
of the universe or of, of creation, or as Luther put it, and though this world with devils filled. You remember, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. Do you remember what comes next? His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. But then here comes the answer. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus. It is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name. From age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And here comes this famous line. And though this world with devils filled... And every life, every life to live is to face the evil. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Is the prince of darkness grim? We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall tell him that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them, abideth the spirit and the gifts are ours, though through him who with us abideth, let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, God's kingdom is forever. Yes, evil is mighty. But God is all mighty. Thank you, Martin Luther. Now, this problem of evil, I don't think there's any answer or solution to the problem. And the Christian answer or solution to the problem is not a philosophy. It is not a, the, a theodicy itself, a doctrine of evil. It is a story. And it's the story of Jesus on the cross and the image of a suffering savior, uh, a savior who suffered. This In the early church, this was called patropassionism, who suffered on the cross. And did God suffer with us and for us through Jesus on the cross? And in the midst of our suffering, we cry, where, oh, where is our God? And God answers, I am here. Look to the cross. Don't look to your mind, your philosophy of trying to come up with answers to the problem of evil in the world. Look to the cross. Let not your heart be troubled. Your Father knows. Because just as my son didn't cast off disease and death in his own life, but carries it into his very heart and into my heart. So when you face disease and death, I will be there. I am there. And I will love you and lullaby you into rest and peace. The idea that we can destroy evil, demons cannot be destroyed. They can only go away. 
When Jesus cast the demons into swine, he quarantined them. He put them in unclean food, which Jews wouldn't eat, and thus removed them as far as he could from anybody. But they don't leave without a struggle. And hence our daily struggle. The Holocaust, the most horrid genocide in history, took six million victims. But the Nazis also killed five million others on top of the six million victims. Not systematically and strategically like the Jews, but a mass murder of five million other victims, including gypsies, Slavs, homosexuals, Down syndrome people, and other disabled categories deemed genetically inferior in which they did experiments. We're talking about evil, the enormity of evil, 11 million people removed from the earth. The problem of evil is misnamed. Evil is not a problem. Evil is a reality. And there's no answer to evil. There's no solution to evil. There's no explanation for evil. There is only the reality of something that is opposite to evil. And that is the cross of Christ. Evil is never what God wants. Evil is always what God is overcoming, and in Jesus, evil has already been overcome. But we live in this interim, this interlude, this commentary between now and the future, between where evil is totally and wholly overcome and where it still has some remnants of power. So evil is an outraged. Be outraged. Evil is a horror. Be horrified. Evil is offensive. Be offended. Evil is maddening. Be angry. God is outraged. God is horrified. God is offended. God is angry too. Death is evil. Oh, I hate this. All of this, the, these uh, pieties that go around with, oh, go gentle into that good night and what a blessing. And, and no, no, no. No way am I going gentle in that good night. The healing, God always heals, and the healing that comes from death is what is good, but death itself is evil. It's part of the powers and principalities that God and Jesus has already overcome. And in this world, we cannot escape evil, but it is never to be plastered over with pieties and platitudes. And as we make death something positive, pleasant, no. The cross is not an explanation. The cross is a victory. The cross is a valediction and victory sign that God shares our suffering and wants us to know that underneath all of life's pain and suffering are the everlasting arms. The victory of the cross it was not the powers and principalities of evil which died. It's we who died to their power over us. When Jesus freed us from sin and death, it was not by a change in them. It was a change in us as we are made sons and daughters of Christ. The powers remain as powerful as ever and threaten our very existence. But we speak that one name, the name above all names. Reminds me of the story of, anybody remember the story of Rumpelstiltskin? That little imp that 
um, could turn straw into gold. And the deal was that he made with the fair maiden was that finally, that if she could guess his name, she could keep the life of her child and raise him. Otherwise, the child belonged to the imp. And finally, the queen at this point found a way to determine and discover the name of that little imp. And when she spoke the name, Rumpelstiltskin, how come we can have fairy tales that proclaim the power of a name to bring life and hope? And the church still is struggling to speak the name above all names, that the very vibration of it in the air has the power to defeat evil. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Evil is mighty. But what? God is almighty. Thank you for listening to Napkin Scribbles. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with a friend today. Today's Napkin Scribbles was sponsored by Portland Seminary of George Fox University. For more information, join them on the web at portlandseminary.org. For Professor and Arthur Leonard Sweet, until next time, happy scratching and scribbling.